Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. All right. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm so happy to see all of you. Excited that you're here for week five of Running with the Giants. I'm, how, how was worship? I'm even still excited about worship. Can we give the worship team a hand? I love the songs today about God's love and His reckless love. I think we would all agree there's so many religions and even sometimes in church, there's this image of a God that we have to work so hard to get to. And what we were singing about today is that a God, about a God who has worked so hard to get to us that he's provided everything to make the way for us. I just think that's, that's the God that Jesus talks about, a God who, who sent his son even so that he could make a way to know us. Man, it's just a, an awesome morning so far. The worship, great. This is, like I said, week five of Running with the Giants. And if this is your first time with us, let me just give a little explanation of this series. Um, this is based on Hebrews chapter 11, when we look at the giants of the faith or the, the heroes of the faith, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about several, several of these great men and women who by faith did amazing things. They ran their race well. The Bible talks about our lives as a race. We're running a race. We're, we're in a journey. We have a destination. We have a, a target. There's a tujuan. You know, we're, we're heading somewhere. And in Hebrews chapter 11... We see men and women who made it. They did it. They got there. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 refers to that and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Basically saying, hey, these guys ran so well, let's run well too. Last week, I mentioned Hebrews 12.1 as a challenge, and I hope every single one of you will read it as a challenge. Hey, look what these guys did. Let's go do the same thing. Let's run like they did. So we look at how they ran, and it helps us learn how to run. One thing we see in Hebrews 12.1 is that it says that we should get rid of everything that gets in our way. If you're running a race and you're trying to get somewhere, you're trying to do something with your life, what the author of Hebrews is telling us, based on those who did it, we need to get rid of obstacles. If there's something in our life that is keeping us from following God, it's got to go. Whether it's a, a, some, some thing, some situation, some person, some sin, it says, anything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. There may be things in your life that are keeping you from getting where you want to be with God. And you're trying to run after God and something gets in the way. We have to get rid of those things. And as I said, it says, including sin. Because if we allow sin to be in our life, we will never run like Deborah. We'll never run like Jacob or Isaiah or Jonah. We'll never be able to run the race marked out for us. The other thing it says is run with perseverance. When I think of the word perseverance, and I'm going to share some, 
synonyms in a moment because I like words that have similar meanings because it helps us understand. But there's this quote, and maybe we could put the image up of the snail. Charles Spurgeon, a great uh, preacher back in the, I think it was 19th century, um, he made this quote, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. I like to think about that with perseverance. Think about a snail. If you imagine this story that God told Noah to build the ark, Noah built this big boat, and all the animals are boarding the boat. The horses are galloping. They're pretty fast. The cheetah zips past everyone. The elephant, not so fast, but man, with that, with that leg span, can get there quick. And here's this snail that sees this big boat and everyone boarding it, and he just starts going toward it with perseverance. This is exactly how a snail moves. Do you guys know this? They slow. He sees it like he just takes off towards the ark. And what Charles Spurgeon was saying, and I agree, that is a picture of perseverance. And that's how we have to live our lives, just steady, keep moving forward. Don't let anything discourage you. Don't let anything stop you. Just keep moving toward what God's promised, and you'll get there, or we wouldn't have snails now, right? What are they called? Siput? Is siput the appropriate word? I saw mollusca, but that seems too easy. Mollusk, mollusca. I was like, that's too simple. Maybe I'll go with siput. But by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Here's some other words I found about perseverance to help us really grasp it. Maybe you could use katakunan, kataguan, tahanhati, determination, endurance, commitment, purposefulness. You could use all these things. Run with purposefulness the race marked out for you. Run like you have a purpose. Live this life like you have a purpose. Not like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I just wake up. I do my thing. I go to sleep. The next day it starts again. No, run with purpose, with commitment, determination, determined to reach a goal. If you determine in your life, women of God in here today, hey, I'm going to run like Deborah. Determined to do that and do it. Men in here, I'm going to run like Jacob. Determined to do it and do it. And I like the last one because in English, apparently we can just make up words. Stick to itiveness. Yeah, it's basically like the phrase stick to it, keep going, stick to it, but you add ifness and it makes it sound so official. <laughs> oh, you've got stick to itiveness. I like that. And it makes me think of the snail because they're kind of sticky, right? Stick to itiveness. When life gets difficult, when success comes slowly, keep pressing forward. Keep running with perseverance. So this will lead to our giant this week. I have a little teaser that the media team is going to play for us. This song that always comes in my head when I read about Abraham. I almost gave the spoiler. Let's just play the song before I ruin it. All right, any guesses who the giant of the faith is today? Want to throw some? Sarah. Do any of you read Genesis and that's going on in your head? If, when I read the name Sarah, that just, I read, this, I read Genesis reading about Abraham and Sarah. And as I'm flipping the pages, Sarah, I can't help it. Sarah, I, I think of that song 
from the 80s. And honestly, anytime you can fit in a song from the 80s, you should fit it in. Because that, the best music came from the 80s. Anyone agree? Uh, that was 1985. Probably a lot of you weren't even born yet. And we still had music that good. It was awesome. Let me show you a little bit of Sarah's bio. Because I believe if anyone could teach us something about perseverance and patience, it would be Sarah. I believe that if you're here today and you have been praying for something and it hasn't happened yet, then Sarah has something to teach you. I believe that if God has promised you something or told you something and it hasn't happened yet, that we have something we can learn from Sarah. I believe that if you have started reading your Bible and you see the promises that God has made for all of us and you're thinking, I don't see this in my life yet, then Sarah can help you with that. So here's the bio. And the first thing is, we've been doing a bio every week during this series so we can learn about the people we're reading about in the Bible. I think it helps us to, to know our Bible, to know who are these people, when did they live, what's some facts about them. One thing I didn't put on here that really doesn't help us with anything anyway, but Carrie reminded me this morning, and it's really cool, both of us have a grandmother named Sarah. So... I don't know. We're like, hey, what's your grandmother's name, Sarah? Mine too. Let's get married. So that was the pickup line. No, that didn't work. I don't think that would work. But Sarah was the wife of Abraham, the mother of Isaac. Her name means princess. Ladies, that's pretty cool. Princess. Uh, her name had been Sarai, and Abraham was Abram. So when I read some of the scriptures today, I may be reading about Sarai and Abram. It's still Sarah and Abraham. Because as God developed something in them, as God changed their life, he gave them, he physically changed their names. And I believe that as we see that in the scripture, I can tell each one of you in here today that, that God wants to do the same thing in you. You may think you know yourself. You know, often we, I know who I am. God really knows who you are. And he doesn't just see you as who you are right now. He sees your potential. So there will be a point where you realize, wow, God has made me into something new, like he's given me a new name. And he physically does that with these guys. Sarah lived around 2000 BC, 800 years before Deborah that we talked about last year, 1,000 years before King David, because obviously when we had a king, we didn't need the, uh, what do we call them last year? I went blank. Judges. Judges. So that was 800 years, 1,000 years. And Sarah was extremely beautiful. We should know that because the, the Bible talks about that, right? Probably one of the most beautiful women who ever lived. And this is why I say that. It's because Abraham feared for his life because of how beautiful his wife was. How many men in here, sometimes you fear for your life because your wife is so beautiful? Husbands, raise your hand. Everyone, every husband. Abraham feared for his life. Because his wife was so beautiful. He, I mean, I've never feared for my life because Carrie's so beautiful. I, I more have this, like, I'm, I tell her, hey, stand closer to me so everyone can see that, that I'm with you. You know, it's more of a pride thing maybe, like, hey, I, I, yeah, I want everyone to know, yeah, I came to church with her today. Stand closer. Like, Abraham saw this different. He was afraid. And even he had this plan. They're leaving home they're traveling through foreign lands, and she was so beautiful that he was afraid leaders of foreign lands will kill me so they can take my wife. 
So he came up with this plan and he tells her, hey, when we go into these foreign lands and some man is bothering you and he says, hey, Sarah, you're so beautiful. Are you attached to anyone? You just say, no, I'm just his sister. It's like, it's not a fine moment in Abraham's life. That's not very manly, is it? Hey, someone's going to kill me. Just tell them you're my sister. Don't tell them we're married, you know? And so he tells Sarah this. Guys, don't do that, by the way. Don't take any, uh, any of these tips from Abraham. He's the father of the faith. But if anyone ever, I don't care how big the guy is, if he comes up and says, is she with you? You say, yeah, and just get ready to take a beat down if you have to. Go out in a blaze of glory fighting for your woman. Don't say, hey, that guy's big. Just tell him you're my sister. That's, this wasn't a great moment for Abraham. But he had enough great moments to make up for it. This actually happened in their life traveling when they went through Egypt. Pharaoh fell in love with Sarah because she's so beautiful, and he wanted her to become one of his wives. So Abraham was afraid, he's going to kill me and take you. And he did this, just tell her, just tell him you're my sister. Then Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, same thing, fell in love with Sarah. Hey, don't, I'm not your husband, I'm your brother. You know, same thing, when these guys would find out, wait, you're married? Get out of here. You know, you almost... Caused me to sin against your God, and they would kick them out of that place. But it was something that actually happened. And at these times when this was going on, Sarah was in her 70s. So we have to assume, man, she was beautiful. If in her 70s, she's going through places and, and people are falling in love, and Abraham's scared, and she died at the age of 127 years old. And that's some of the bio for Sarah. The, the story we want to talk about today is from Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to look at this part of Abraham and Sarah's life that will take several years of their story. Uh, it won't take several years today. I don't mean I'm going to talk that long. I mean, we'll read several years of their life. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. This one is, that statement, if we stop there for a minute, is very important for all of us, just as humans in general. Do not be afraid. That is the command that God gives us the most in Scripture, because we are quickly afraid, and we'll see some of this in their story. But God said, do not be afraid. He didn't say, Abram, life doesn't get scary, because all of us know sometimes it's scary. Sometimes we're confused. Sometimes we don't know what God's doing or, or what the situation in our life is leading up to. He didn't say it's not going to be scary. He said, do not be afraid because I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So here's this promise made to Abraham and to Sarah. They had no children. Abraham is, is really worried because God has blessed him, and he's thinking, I've got all these 
herds of animals and, and all this stuff. And God, you've given me no children. So everything, when I die, everything is going to go to Eliezer who works in my house. And God promises him, no, it won't go to him. You will have a son. I'm going to give you a son. And God even tries to help him understand. We talked about this last year in this series when we talked about Abraham. When God said, go outside, look at the stars. Count them if you can. God knew he couldn't count it. But God was trying to help him understand as he does with all of us. He was saying, hey, I'm going to bless you like this. I'm going to give you descendants as this many. If you, you can't even understand what I'm going to do in your life. And Abraham eventually trusted him. And it would be 25 years after this that God fulfilled this promise. Think about that for a moment. Man, okay, I was worried about this situation. God said he's going to answer it. One year, two years, 25 years. Talking about patience, moving with perseverance. Have you ever asked that question, why is God so slow? Maybe you prayed about something and you're like, why is God not answering this? Maybe God promised you something and you're thinking, God, you told me you were going to do this. Why hasn't it happened? It's been years. Think about this, 25 years. The fact is that God isn't slow. We just don't understand. God doesn't move according to our schedules. How many of you have learned that already? That's one of the first ones we learn, isn't it? God doesn't move by our time, by our schedules, but just because God doesn't move on our time doesn't mean that he's late. He doesn't move on our time, but he is always on time. And as hard as it is, we have to learn that and accept it. And when we do, it makes life so much easier. If we recognize God knows what he's doing, God's going to do things on time, we don't have, it makes life easy. We don't have to worry about it. I'm going to look at the stars. I'm going to take care of it, Abraham. Everything's going to be okay. I believe if Sarah was to run a lap with us on the track this morning and she had something to tell us, to encourage us from her experience, it would be that when you don't understand God and impatience or waiting is threatening to overwhelm you, as sometimes waiting will do, it will overwhelm us. Sarah would say, don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't start thinking, wow, God's moving so slow. I'll try to handle this myself. This is uh, something I wrote that I think will be the best tip for us all day. Let God be God. You just be you. That sounds so simple, but that is the best thing I can tell you today. Could you turn to someone near you and say, let God be God? And then turn to your second choice and say, you just be you. If we could handle that, life would be so easy. When it gets hard for us, it's when we're trying to be God. Oh, God's not fast enough. I'll handle this. Or I want things to go like this. Maybe I will be God for a little bit. It's funny how often we think we could do a better job than God. Oh, poor God. He has no idea what he's doing. Maybe I can help it. Poor God. He must be confused. Poor God. He must have forgotten that I need this to happen right now this way. But it's not like that. God knows what he's doing. I was thinking this week about Carrie and I when we were new Christians, and we were going to this amazing church. 
that had, where we had gotten saved, someone from that ministry had gone out, led me to the Lord. I told Carrie, anyway, long story short, we end up going to that church, and we were just loving it. God was really pouring out His Spirit. It was a time of revival at the church, and we felt like God was starting to call us to ministry. But we looked around, and we thought, man, they, they've got everything under control here. It was a big church. They had a big team. They looked like everything was running smooth, and we felt like, man, there's nothing we can do here. So we actually left our church and went to a smaller church that some of our family went to. And then immediately we got involved in ministry. It was a smaller church. We went, we, we got involved, we could do things. After not too long, we ended up being there over a year, but it wasn't long before we realized we're not where we're supposed to be. This isn't a good fit. This kind of looks like the idea of what we thought God was going to do, but we made this happen ourselves. We moved ourselves. We're doing ministry, but I don't think this doesn't feel like what God had promised. So we went back to our home church, and it wasn't long after that the children's pastor came to us and said, hey, would you help us in the kids' ministry? We had tried to take control of that ourselves. I was trying to do God's job. Oh, God called me to ministry. I'll find somewhere, and I'll just go get involved in it. When he had me where he wanted me to be, and I really feel like us trying to be God and handle his situation, it delayed our process probably delayed what God was going to do. We were there for, for over a year. The little promo I can do here is if you're here at IC Maidon and you see the amazing dream team and you think, man, they can't use me. They got everything under control. No, we can use you. Even Better said, God can use you here. And growth track is, happens to be today at 2 p.m. That's a good promo, right? Growth track team. But seriously, I didn't have anyone to tell me that at the time. I was like, well, they don't need me here. I wish someone was there to say, hey, we need you. Join Growth Track. Join and get on the team, and uh, God can use you. So you guys are so blessed that I could tell you that today. You don't have to leave any and go anywhere. You can be involved in ministry right here. I wish we had known it because I'm sure that that delayed what God was doing in our life. But we tried to handle it. We, weren't, we didn't want to be patient Sarah would say this, trust God even if it takes a long time. That's hard. Trust God even if it takes a long time. He knows what he's doing, and it is always, always, always for your best. Trust him even when it takes a long time. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So look at this. Sarah is, is, is impatient. She isn't patient at all in this situation. She either feels like God is too slow. Maybe she feels like God has failed and he can't even do this. Maybe she just feels like God has forgotten them, and she thinks she can help. Well, I don't think God can handle this. She even says it in her own words, I can build a family. God had promised to give them a family, but he isn't doing it yet. I can build a family. Maybe through Hagar, I can build it. And Sarah made a big, complicated mess. She made a problem that 
has affected the world ever since then because of this one moment where she couldn't just trust God when it was taking a long time. She couldn't be patient and let God work. And she said, you know what? I don't need God to build my family. I'll build my family. She made problems and heartache and conflict and trouble. And everyone I've ever seen in my life that has made hasty decisions has always, always done the same thing. It's just been messy. And eventually they regretted it. And they could look back and see, well, I know where things went wrong. Normally you can trace it back. I know where it went wrong. It was right here. Sarah in her own life could trace it back later on when she's looking at her life. I know where I messed up. It was right there when I decided I can do a better job than God. So trust him even when it takes a long time. Trust God even if it seems ridiculous. Genesis 18, 10 through 14 says, Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Here they are. This is 24 years after the promise, because God's saying next year it's going to happen. That was going to be 25 years. And, and Sarah still isn't trusting. Before, she thought God was too slow. Now the time is coming up, and she thinks, well, I, I'm too old for this. This can't happen now. She kept having this problem trusting God. And one statement here I think is so important to us is when God says, I will return to you at the appointed time. Man, if we could understand that when we pray and when we're waiting on God and God has promised something that there is an appointed time, if we could just understand that life will be so much easier, you won't have to worry about it. When is this going to happen? At the appointed time. When is God going to answer my prayer? At the appointed time. When am I going to see this promise with my eyes? At the appointed time. We can't rush it. We can't speed it up. Nothing's going to happen before or after the appointed time. There's an appointed time, and God's going to do what he does at that time. And when we know that, we don't have to be so worried about it. Do not be afraid. There's an appointed time, and God's going to answer you. But Sarah is still not trusting. She still has this problem. She thinks it's ridiculous. She's almost 90 years old and just finds out she's going to have a baby. It seems ridiculous. She even laughs in a mocking way, and God didn't like it. He says to Abraham, why, you know, why is she laughing? Why did she ask this question? Is anything too hard for me? And he basically says, as I was saying, I'll be back next year. Many amazing things happen in the lives of of men and women of faith in the Bible, and it started out looking ridiculous. Think of a lot of the stories that we've read. I mean, think about, I was thinking of, of Noah. Think about his story when God said, Noah, I want you to build a big boat. There's no water anywhere. It's not raining. That would have at least made sense. I want you to build a big boat. As a matter of fact, Noah, 
think in your mind, imagine a big boat and multiply that times 100 and build that one. And Noah started building it, even though it sounded ridiculous. We know from reading it, people thought Noah was an idiot. Why is this guy building this? They thought it was ridiculous. But Noah did it, and we all know the story after that. Moses, lead the people out of Egypt and go toward the sea. You know, if you're trying to escape, you don't run to the edge of the ocean, right? Moses, take the people, run to the sea. I'll handle it from there. And he did. Daniel, don't worry about the lions. They don't bite. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Don't worry about, I'm going to get thrown in the lion's den, God. Don't worry about them. Deborah, we talked about last week. Deborah, rise up, lead the men against the iron chariots. Don't worry about it, but you may want to bring an umbrella because I'm going to stop the chariots with a storm. We have to get used to the fact that it's not God that's ridiculous. It's us that's ridiculous because we think we're smarter than we really are. We think we're wiser than we really are. We think we determine what is ridiculous and what is normal. So God is constantly flipping that around and blowing our minds. We don't determine what is ridiculous. We don't determine what is, is normal. God determines that. The truth is, our wisdom is foolishness to God. We read last week that God chooses the foolish things or the unexpected things or the ridiculous things to shame the wise. I mean, actually, Scripture, when it talks about the way that we think is right, it says the way that seems right to a man often leads to death. We have no idea what we're doing. Thank God that he, he is seeking us out and he, he sent Jesus to save us so that he could lead us. And all he tells us to do is, trust me, do not be afraid. We need him. We don't, we don't have any idea. Anyone else here like me thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. The way that seems right to me leads to death. Anyone else? That's what the Bible tells us. It may seem ridiculous. I remember when we were first telling our families, we had three small kids, and Carrie and I hadn't been Christians for long, and we're telling our families, hey, we're going to leave home, leave all of you guys, and we're going to Indonesia. God told us to go to Indonesia to serve him. Imagine what our parents thought. That's ridiculous. Actually, our parents, our kids' grandparents, their first thought was, are you taking the kids with you? I think they were okay if we went. Like, are, are our grandkids going? Yeah, of course, they're going with us. That's ridiculous. Nemo, he was only two years old when we first moved here. That's ridiculous. What, why are you leaving us? Our, our moms live on the same street. For us to leave and go to the other side of the world seemed ridiculous. But God told us to do it, so we did it. God told us a few years after that, go and plant a church in Medan. And even close friends of ours thought, hey, you've never planted a church before. They didn't say it, but they were thinking, that's ridiculous. I don't, are you sure you know what you're doing? No, I have no idea. That's God's business. God knows what he's doing. I trust God. He, God didn't tell me to figure it all out. He told me to trust him. And that's what we have to understand in our life. Often, he's not asking you to figure it out. He's just telling you, trust him. He's telling you, don't be afraid. I've got this under control. Trust God anyway. I know many of you in this room, we're living someplace else. I've talked to many of you. You were in different cities, different islands, different countries. And for whatever reason, God has called you to this place at this moment in time. And you have to believe and trust God that there's a purpose in it. 
There's no accident. Some of you may be sitting in church this morning and you're wondering, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing in Madon. I don't know what I'm doing in this church. If you're sitting here thinking, I don't know how I got here, that's another problem. But if you, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I come here every week. There's a purpose. God's doing something. And if you are patient, eventually you'll understand exactly what he's doing, exactly why he brought you here. I believe that every single one of you are here for a reason. And sometimes it may seem ridiculous. You may, it, even your reason for coming here and being here, it may have seemed ridiculous to your family. Hey, we're moving back to Maidon. Or moving to Maidon for the first time. Or whatever. It may have been like with us, with our family. It had nothing to do with Maidon. It had to do with the fact we were moving at all. It may have seemed ridiculous, but God knows what he's doing. Life is not always clean and neat and normal. We have to get used to that. But if we trust him, one day you'll understand. Back to Genesis. Abraham and Sarah, Sarah are old. Sarah thinks their bodies are too old and worn out. But God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you are waiting for? What is it that you're praying about and you're waiting for? Is anything too hard for the Lord? What is it that you're praying about? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can you simply do your part? You be you and just trust him. That's the only, that's what we're responsible for. Can you just trust him? Can you trust God? Is it taking a long time? Does it seem ridiculous? Sarah said, trust him even if those around you don't. Even if no one else around you is trusting God, can you trust him still? This is where it starts to get good. Genesis 21, 6 through 7. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in this old age. Think about this for a moment. Man, this, this really grabs my heart when you think about Sarah's story and so excited about this promise, Sarah, you're going to have a son. And then she waits and she waits and she waits. She loses faith in God. She tries to handle it herself and she makes a big problem. She causes conflict in her family, conflict that would affect the rest of the world. And it still wasn't what it was supposed to be. And here she is after all of this, 25 years later, and she's holding the baby in her arms. And she said, would, would anyone have told Abraham? People are going to laugh when they hear this. I'm holding the promise in my arms. I've got Isaac in my arms. At this old age, I've borne him a son. Could I ask the worship team to come up? Would you mind standing with me? I believe many of you here today are waiting on something for God. There's something you're trusting for. There's something that, that you need you, you don't understand what's going on right now and you need direction from God. Maybe something that you're waiting for. And I think we can all learn from Sarah's story that what God is telling you this morning, do not be afraid. Just trust me. Even if it's taking a long time. Even if it seems ridiculous. Even if no one else around you trusts me, just trust me. One day you'll understand. Sarah has 
a few final words for us. I just want to give you this really quick before we close. Number one, don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. In 2 Peter, it tells us that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. He's just patient. God knows what he's doing. He's he's working on something inside of you. He's developing something. He knows what the appointed time is. We don't know. He's not being slow. He's patient. He knows exactly when it needs to happen. Psalm 37 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. The second final word from Sarah would be this. When you must wait, focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. Man, that is one of the best ones. Because when we're in that moment and we're waiting and we don't understand and things seem difficult and and life is scary, God is doing something inside of you that you don't see. And it's something that has to happen. It's something he needs to do. Romans chapter 8 Verses 24 through 25 says, That is why waiting does not diminish us, or waiting does no harm to us, any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. You are expecting something. You're expecting God to do something. You you are expecting. And if God gives you that thing before the appointed time, it's not going to be ready. You're not going to be ready. This verse tells us that just like an expectant mother, just like a, a pregnant woman, something is being developed inside that you don't see. And God has to develop that. You're not going to hold your promise in your arms until God has finished developing something inside of you. So quit worrying about what's going on around you and start worrying about what's going on inside of you. Praying about that, saying, God, develop me. Develop this inside of me. I'm expecting something. Develop me so that I'm ready. Develop me so that I can handle it. The third one is this. Even our very best cannot possibly compare to anything God has in mind. Sarah realized that. She tried to rush the promise. She tried to build her family herself. And she even saw this is not what God promised me. I've made some mistakes. What God has in mind is far greater than anything you're imagining. Step outside and look at the stars. God's saying, this is what I can do for you. Quit thinking small. Quit quit thinking that that you understand and and you are so wise. My, My wisdom is greater than yours. I know exactly what you need, and I know exactly when you need it. I'm not being slow. I'm developing you. Can we close our eyes for a moment? I just want to pray for you before we close. If you're here today and there's something that you're waiting for from God, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Maybe you're here and there's something that you are expecting. Maybe there's a promise that God's given you and it hasn't happened yet. Raise your hand with us so I can pray for you. Father, you see the hands that are raised. Lord, I believe that there are even more in this place today that are expecting something, something we've been waiting for, maybe a promise, maybe something we've been asking you to do that hasn't happened. And Lord, this morning, our prayer is not that you would speed it up. Our prayer is not that you would rush this process because we know there's nothing worse than to to rush a pregnant mom. There's a time when it has to happen. There's an appointed time. 
So our prayer today is that you would help us to trust and to not be afraid. Lord, our prayer this morning is that you would give us the strength to just do what we're responsible for and trust you for the rest. Lord, that what you've promised, we will allow you to do. Lord, give us that strength, knowing that you are developing something inside of us. You're developing patience. You're developing perseverance. Like the scripture says, you have to develop these things so that we can be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You're getting us ready so that we can hold the promise in our arms. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people today. Lord, that we would trust you and trust your timing. There is an appointed time. We can relax and just leave it in your hands. Bless us today, Lord God. Let your words sink deep in our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, when the temptation comes to be overwhelmed by waiting, that we would remember these words, do not be afraid. And we could trust you like Sarah. In Jesus' name, amen.